All right, gentlemen, line it up! MLL, Rick. Where are you gonna be in four years? I don't know. If you don't find an alternative, you're gonna die. Society had given up on them. They had given up on themselves. It's hard to be a loser, man. I'm not the one who put you here, all right? You put yourself here. But one man dared to take a risk. You want to start a football team? Come on, Sean. It's impossible. Then let's try the impossible. And turn the rage that made them enemies. I'll kill you right here, right now. Into a bond that could make them brothers. On the gridiron, we do it my way. Your way got you here. And you're here because you're lost. If you accept this challenge, we're gonna be winners. You answer the rock, you're too big right in my face. It's gone. What are you doing? What are you doing? Come on. That is not paid for by them. That is paid for by the people of Detroit. You are qualified, young man. I'm not qualified for this job. Let me tell you something. You wanna go right now? Okay? You wanna go right now? Are you inspired? Uh, you know what? Uh, hey, kids, it's your old pal, I'm Alec. Uh, that <laughs> intro, that was The Rock as Sean. Or Sean as The Rock. Sean as The... No, I think it was The Rock as Sean because he was talking about commitment. He's talking about being there for the team. And, of course, Sean... Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, wait. oh, he didn't have oh can we go to... Sh- oh, yeah, there's Where the Sean, Sean cam. Yeah. Yep, look at that. He's never looked so good. <laughs> and, you know, we talk about transparency being important. Look at Sean. You can <laughs> see right through me. There's nothing to hide. He will... Be here at some point. Um, apparently, that construction that's been going on between here and Ann Arbor mm-hmm. for all these years that's expected to go on for all these years ahead is still going on. So, Sean will be here when eh. Sean gets here. We'll and uh, you'll know 15 minutes after he gets here because he'll say something. <laughs> so, it's going to be perfect. But that's okay because Preceded that means- by- can I say something? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I need to ask a question here. Can, can we wrap this up? Uh, uh, apropos of nothing, uh, have you ever had maple syrup from uh, <laughs> from a stiletto heel? Well, that's why we love the man. Well, let's just say we're very tolerant. But that gives us more time with our guest. We have co- joining us this week from USA Today, Kenny Jacoby, the investigative sports reporter at USA Today, who broke the Mel Tucker story. He's the one... Who basically, I would say, put the Michigan State University football program into turmoil. But as a Spartan, I have to tell you, it was already kind of in turmoil. It just sort of found another level. So we're going to be talking to Kenny in a minute about how he got on the story, um, where the story's headed. Since the first story broke, which was a little sooner than everybody expected, and we'll, we'll talk to Kenny about that. He's also broken some other big stories and written about a subject that Mark has kind of... Uh, noodle on a little bit which is was this all drawn out so that mel could pile up as many checks as possible before he had to hit the door and i'll tell you i'm stunned that the university is trying to terminate him already because Mm. i thought for sure they would want to try and settle this because once you get into a lawsuit you get into the discovery process where both sides can ask the other side for all kinds of confidential information and what you find what a judge can compel you to surrender may make you wish you'd written a big ass check so that the whole thing could be done and buried and gone. It's also going to keep this cloud over Michigan state for a year or two. If this case goes the distance because civil suits drag on and on and on. And clearly the university, yeah, that, by the way, and the melt that discovery chapter. works both ways. Who knows what else Michigan state might have on them? 
Well, that's true. In which case, he may want to uh, reach a settlement. But one time somebody sued us, uh, somebody had written a big expose on, and we had all these things that we were pretty certain had happened. We just couldn't get people to go on the record. And so um, so when this this person who also happened to be a lawyer said, you know, I think I'm going to sue you, I'm sure my bosses would have fallen out of their chair if they'd heard me. But I said, if you do, we're going to have discovery in a lot of these things that we want to get from you. We'll ask a judge to turn them over, and a judge will turn them over. And if you think that we wrote everything that we believe to be true, you are going to find out what the whirlwind is like because you're about to reap it. But, uh, I mean, but that, these stories have legs. I mean, they're so multifaceted. That's yeah. why I'm glad Kenny's with us today, too. It's there's yeah. so much to unpack with it. No, and as, as stories go with legs, this thing may end up being a centipede, but it's all brought to you by Luke Nowacki and Pinnacle Wealth Strategies, who will help you prepare for your retirement, help you make some good decisions. If you're a UAW worker who's wondering, am I going to have enough money to retire? Is this the time to retire? Talk to somebody like Luke who has the expertise to tell you what kind of financial shape you're in. We're going to tell you after Kenny bounces how Luke can con- help you and, and where you can contact Luke. We also want to let you know the Cadu Cafe, the Pride of the East Side, is still going strong with music, great food, great times. You can find out more about them at Cadu Cafe, and we'll tell you who's playing at the Cadu this week in room 7609. And the Michigan Peddler is back. You know, the summer is over, but fall doesn't mean winter there's still a couple months of great rides downtown corktown midtown get on a michigan peddler bike with your buddies and we will tell you if you book a ride with the michigan peddler who's supporting us we want to support them by offering you some really cool exclusive ml soul of detroit swag if you book a ride with the michigan peddler we'll tell you how to do that in just a minute but first let's get to the man of the hour kenny jacoby who has been breaking some big stories for years at usa today and now here in East Lansing. Kenny, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So every story starts somewhere, uh, and it becomes a journey, and sometimes it's a long and winding road, and sometimes you think it's going to be a marathon, and all of a sudden it turns into uh, a sprint. How did this one start, and, and, and tell us when it went from being a marathon to maybe a half marathon and ended up getting out a little sooner than everybody expected? Yeah, I mean, that is exactly what happened. So... Um, I've known Brenda Tracy for a long time, probably about six years um, through other stories that I've done um, that have to do with sexual misconduct in sports. And uh, so I've known Brenda. um, And in May uh, of this year, um, she asked to speak with me confidentially about uh, this situation involving Mel Tucker. And she had said, you know, essentially that she was going through this sexual harassment uh, case involving him. She had filed a complaint in December 2022, um, and she uh, was worried that her name was going to uh, leak out and this this uh, case was going to become public. Um, it was really Brenda's goal uh, to make it all the way through the case without uh, the media being involved. And uh, in her case, you know, the hearing was was ultimately scheduled in October. Um, so at some point uh, over the uh, spring, Brenda asked me to uh, work on a story uh, about the case, um, but under essentially an embargo so that um, we would have it ready in case uh, information about it started to leak out. And we felt like 
you know, we needed to, to come out and publish our story because, you know, bad information was getting out publicly um, or, you know, just information that, you know, was incomplete um, where, where we would have wanted to, uh, you know, provide the, the full perspective. So I had been working on the, the story since June. Um, we were still kind of, you know, we were hearing rumors throughout the case that, oh, this media outlet has been, uh, has reached out for comment to Michigan State about sexual harassment allegations involving Mel Tucker, or this outlet has filed a public record request. And, you know, through all that, we, we managed to, you know, keep the story close to our best. Uh, but in early September, um, we started hearing details of the case being uh, shared with some local reporters in the USA Today network. Um, specifically, Brenda's name was mentioned in connection with those rumors. And that was sort of the, the turning point where she decided, I don't think we're going to make it uh, to this hearing in October without the story getting out. So she gave us the green light to go ahead and publish it uh, in the late hours of uh, Saturday night last week. So for people who are not in our business, it's not unusual for a source to offer you a story with a caveat, which would be an embargo. That doesn't mean that they've written the story. It doesn't mean that they've edited the story. It doesn't mean they have any approval over the story. It just means for reasons that may be important to them. Sometimes it's reasons that are important to us, like we want it to run on the biggest day of the week, on a Sunday or something like that. We hold the story. Politicians all the time say, here's my State of the Union speech, but you can't publish your story until I've given the speech. And that just helps reporters know what somebody's going to say so they can do some research, maybe do some, some truth squatting. So the fact that there was an embargo, folks, this is not a conspiracy. This is how it works. And virtually everybody who's ever dealt with a report before has said, this is a story I want you to tell but I'm not ready to go forward until such and such a time. And that, that timing's interesting to me because it, it seems if you were trying to leverage a settlement out of Mel Tucker or the university, you would say, basically, you got until October when we have the hearing to make me a rich woman. Otherwise, I am going to rock your world. Well, to that that's po- not what happened. To that point, ML Kenny, wasn't she offered a settlement from uh, Mel Tucker or someone along the line? Um. Mel Tucker has has accused her of of trying to get a settlement from the university. Um, my understanding is is that did not happen. Um, he has made a number of statements um, that have proven to be uh, inconsistent <laughs> or misleading at best, um, and uh, I believe that that was one of them. So, so there was never any kind of settlement offered from him to her. I, I can't report that right now. Okay. Oh. Now, when she came to you with this story, had you ever heard his name with any other rumors? Because there, you know, there's always rumors abound. But had was this a total shock and surprise, or were you like, well, there was always a little bit of smoke? Yeah, there there was smoke throughout this case. This is a a really high profile situation. We're talking about uh, one of the you know highest profile coaches in the entire country. Uh, one of the nation's leading advocates against sexual violence and one of the loudest voices in that space. And then, of course, Michigan State, um, who is, you know, Mm -hmm. has this reputation of of being best known probably for mishandling the uh, sexual abuse scandal against Larry Nassar. So, you know, the, the cast of characters involved here, we knew that was a recipe for a really potentially big story. And just given uh, Michigan State's history with 
with mishandling this sort of information, Brenda said she went into the process very skeptical. And she was sort of expecting that, you know, at some point, uh, some information is is going to get out. And, you know, she her instincts were, were right in that respect. Um, we were able to kind of just wait it out when we were initially hearing rumors of just, oh, you know, this outlet said, uh, they're, they've heard about sexual harassment allegations uh, involving Mel Tucker. That wasn't, you know, so much our concern. Um, but when Brenda's name started being attached to those rumors, that was what really concerned her is this information should not have been getting out. I know, uh, Michigan State has said at the, uh, after, in, you know, after this news came out that some officials, uh, their president, uh, their board of trustees, their athletic director knew, uh, some basic details about the case, like such that it was, uh, you know, a complaint filed by a third party vendor for the school. Alan Haller, the athletic director, I guess, had the specific information that Brenda Tracy was the complainant. So there was this circle of people that knew about it and it really wasn't supposed to leave that circle. Uh, but it, it clearly did. And, and that's what prompted us to, uh, pull the trigger a little bit earlier than we had planned. So I just want to correct one thing Kenny said. We're actually very well known in East Lansing for our super colliding cyclotron. It's the biggest in the world. So it's that and mishandling Nasser. I guess I would just say that we're known for two things. Luckily, we are properly handling this thing that could bring about the apocalypse. So, uh, so good job with the cyclotron. But in terms of dealing with any other scandal... Bad job, Michigan State. Terrible job, Michigan State. Yes, as I wrote yes, the free but, press on Sunday. But as Kenny knows, that's uh, that's a problem a lot of universities have. They don't handle these kind of complaints very well at all. I mean, I it's just it. They get the spotlight because of Nasser, but name any other university. They just don't handle Title IX sexual misconduct claims very well. Well, and this is kind of your beat, right, Kenny? I mean, you are, I would say, probably the 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 nation's leading expert on how universities handle cases like this. Yeah, I've covered a lot of stories of, of a similar nature, uh, you know, at the intersection of, of sexual misconduct in sports. And you're absolutely right that colleges have a bad rep uh, for handling these types of cases. Um, you know, about in 2011, uh, the, the White House, you know, issued a, a mandate basically for the whole country, for all federally funded schools that, you know, they can't, you know, sit by as sexual assaults happen on their campuses. They have to take action to investigate these uh, uh, these reports when they come in. And you know, since then, uh, colleges have, you know, virtually every college in the country um, has, you know, been accused of mishandling a case in some way, whether that is, uh, you know, an accusation from a survivor or somebody who's accused in these sorts of cases. Uh, but then, you know, you add to it. The, the high profile nature of, of this case. And I think the inherent tension in all of these campus Title IX cases is you really want the school to do a completely uh, impartial, unbiased investigation. But when, when you add in the fact that we're now dealing with the reputation for the institution, yeah. um, an $80 million, uh, you know, $80 million remaining on this coach's contract, then you start to worry that the decisions being made in these cases are, uh, are getting political and are not just about the facts anymore. And I think, you know, you could certainly accuse Michigan State of that. Um, we don't have the evidence to suggest that they did anything politically motivated here. Uh, but when you have a history of, of making poor decisions in these types of cases, that's the first thing that people's minds are going to jump to. 
Yeah, they seem to always want to protect the institution first, um, you know, because there's a lot of people that rely on that institution, I suppose, or their job is involved. Um, Kenny, what do, what do you say to those people? And and I'm kind of one of them that don't buy Brenda's story 100%. You know, maybe maybe it was consensual. I Everything Mel Tucker did after was abhorrent. It was wrong. He lied. Um, but there did seem to be a flirtation there. Maybe it was consensual. People point to the 36-minute phone call that mal referenced in his letter um so so tell me like what where am i wrong or what where am i misled here to maybe not believe her 100 percent? yeah well you know first first of all the focus should be on you know the the allegations uh of sexual misconduct right and and brenda tracy you know she can't control uh the decisions that that mel tucker makes now the thing that everyone's jumps to because mel tucker has come out and said uh, you know, oh, this was a consensual relationship. You know, we had this romantic interest in each other. Is then they start to scrutinize Brenda Tracy's actions and they compare that to, well, is this something that, you know, somebody who is in a relationship uh, might do? Um, but, you know, a couple things on, on this point. I've covered a lot of sexual misconduct cases. People have this idea of exactly how a victim or survivor is supposed to respond in these situations. They want you to scream. They want you to confront the person immediately. They want you to report it to the police immediately. Um, you know, and, and it's all these things that people expect might happen. Uh, but when you're in that situation, it's a lot different. First of all, you know, the body sort of takes over. There's a, there's a thing called fight, flight, or freeze. And that is typically, you know, how, uh, people in, in threatening situations respond through one of those actions. And for in sexual assault cases, the most common response is to freeze. And that's what Brenda said happened in this case. Now, we're also dealing with a, a huge power dynamic here. So Mel Tucker, you know, is is this, uh, you know, very high profile football coach with lots of connections in an industry where Brenda Tracy works. And she knows she has to tread lightly to be able to continue working in that industry to maintain her career um, and her reputation. And things really crystallized for her uh, the next time they spoke after this phone call, which was three months later, Brenda Tracy was supposed to be going back to Michigan State to continue her sexual misconduct programming that she had been hired to do. Mel Tucker canceled her visit three days before it was supposed to occur. And then finally, they they spoke on the phone again. And Brenda says in that phone call, uh, Mel Tucker implicitly threatened that he would destroy her career uh, if she spoke out about this. And so her response, as I understand it at first, was, I must protect my career. And that's why she stayed quiet about it for a little while. But then she sort of came to terms with the fact that, you know, as as this educator around sexual violence, if I if I don't report this, then I'm not the person who I said I was. And that's when she made the decision to do it. Now, like what motivation does a person in that position have to come out? Yep. You have to think, you know, is this what Brenda Tracy wants? Does she really want well, that, all these people across the country scrutinizing whether or not this is true? I don't think most people ask to be in that position. I'm glad you bring that up because I have heard people say, oh, this will help her business. But I'm like, I don't think this helps her business at all. I think this actually quite hurts it, and this might be the end of her foundation. Has she told you as such as she lost other speaking gigs? 
Yeah. So Brenda, um, one, one thing about the timing of the publication of the story was she was supposed to be working all week last week. She was going to, she had scheduled visits to, to colleges all around the country, uh, where she was going to deliver her speech, uh, you know, about sexual misconduct prevention and about specifically her gang rape, uh, by college football players back in 1998. Well, she, she did, you know, one of those visits, um, and it seemed to go okay. And then she did another one and it maybe didn't go as well. And she ended up canceling the rest of the visits. Um, but she did have, um, you know, some, some schools that were just skeptical about like, do we, do we want to bring her in right now? Is that making some sort of, you know, statement, uh, you know, politically, uh, that we don't want to make. Um, and, and so, you know, I don't think there are like more schools jumping at the bit to hire her now. You know, uh, I think if anything, it, it probably goes in the other direction. Well, the other thing that you have to think about with this is is your future earning potential, which I know sounds probably somewhat crass, but I can't remember the name of the woman at Fox who was the first one to blow the whistle on Roger Ailes, the anchor. I think her last name was was it Carlson. She filed a lawsuit. She's very successful. One of the stars at Fox won the lawsuit, and we've never seen her. Again, I can't even remember her name. And I interviewed her on WJR uh, many years ago. Uh, this is the kind of thing where it could cost you your career. And certainly it throws things off. And, and I'm, I'm, I, I kind of expect you to say, Kenny, that when she was doing these appearances, reporters were waiting to talk to her after she wrapped up to say, hey, you know, we, we read what happened in USA Today. We have some questions for you. Gretchen Carlson, by the way. Gretchen Carlson, thank you. Um, so one of the things that I think is significant with the uh, university's move to fire Tucker is that they're not trying to fire him because he sexually assaulted anybody. They're going to the morals clause, and they're going to, what what judges might say, bring alibi on the university, bringing shame to the university. So his conduct, regardless of whether this was consensual or not, was wrong as far as the university is sure. concerned. And of course, you know, sometimes I'm a union guy, so I know employers and employees often disagree on things, but, uh, but this is, you know, I mean, I just keep coming back to the poor judgment by everybody involved, but, but one of the things on the credibility issue, Kenny, that I don't know if you've spoken to Brenda about this is I see people dig their heels in on, well, they both deleted their texts. Why would they do that? And has she spoken about why she doesn't have, uh, why she doesn't have records or contemporaneous stuff from, from that time? Yeah. So Brenda says that, you know, after this August 20 or August 2nd, 2022 phone call, which was the, the first time she and Tucker spoke after the incident and, the last time that they've ever spoken, they've not spoken since. Um, she said that that Mel Tucker, not so subtly, um, suggested that you know he was going to take her down with him uh, if if she were to speak out about this. He you know referenced all the connections he has in the industry. You know how uh, this was going to hurt her more than this was going to hurt him. And she said she left that call feeling just terrified uh, about you know what this could mean for her, uh, her career and for her legacy. And she says that in a panic after that call, she deleted all her correspondence with him, uh, in order to cut ties with him. And so, you know, I think you can, you know, it's fair to scrutinize or criticize that action, but, you know, consider yourself being put 
in those shoes for a minute. You know, if your first instinct is I have to save my reputation and you're, you're not thinking at the time, Oh, here's what I need to do to hold this person accountable. Then I think that, you know, helps better inform, you know, a third party who is trying to examine those actions, you know, what was her state of mind at the time? And, and she says she, she basically panicked and she regrets doing it. Um, but, but that is what happened. And I think that's why a lot of people have questioned her because, well, if anybody should know what to do when something's going on, it would be a person that runs a foundation and people, you know, and I know that's not why Mel Tucker got fired, but people are really focused on the actual incident. And, um, this thing that happened over FaceTime or zoom or whatever it is, did she ever tell you, did she ever record that and then delete it? Did she, or was she just frozen the whole time? Um, and then did she ever speak as to, well, you know, people are saying, well, why didn't she hang up this, this person would know that you just hang up in that situation. Do you know if uh, it was recorded ever? She did not record the phone call. Um, we know, you know, when the phone call occurred from, from the phone records that she provided to the investigator and we know how long it lasted 36 minutes. I've seen some people indicate, well, how could you just sit on the phone for 36 minutes? And my understanding is, you know, the call started out as a, a normal conversation that they had been having for the, the previous few months while they had been working together professionally. Oh, okay. uh, and that the masturbation part of the call was, was not for the entire call. Um, now, I think, yes, I, I hear your argument that she is a, a, somebody who educates somebody about uh, sexual assault. But, you know, she is, she's on the prevention side of things. Her job is not to tell you how to respond in a given situation. And I think it's really unpredictable for anybody to know exactly how they would respond or to even think rationally in that moment when so many different confusing thoughts are just flooding your mind. And this idea of freezing, this is not a choice. This is a defense mechanism, right? It's, a, it's something sure. that your body does. It takes over when you, you feel that threat and you can't control that. You can't snap out of that situation. It's almost like you're dissociating and watching what's happening to you. So, uh, you know, th this is what she said happened. Um, the reason why there's a hearing uh, and 1,200 pages of case documents is so somebody else can look at the facts and decide this. It's not for us all to decide what happened. And I think we will get the opportunity to look at all of those case documents uh, once this case ends. But right now it's in the hands of a neutral outside attorney who is handling the hearing process from MSU. And they will deliver a report at the end that analyzes who is more credible, uh, who has made statements that, that don't add up. And, uh, you know, there will still be a, a, a decision in that regard, even though Tucker is already being fired by the school. So I, I'm not saying who did what. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't investigated as much as, as Kenny has. I haven't investigated at all, really. And I would hazard a guess that even Kenny, who knows more about this than anybody else, wouldn't be comfortable saying one of these people is absolutely sure. telling the truth sure. beyond, beyond a reasonable doubt. But, um, but I can imagine if I'm on a phone call like that and somebody starts doing something like that, my reaction would be, what the hell is going on? And I would just sit there with my jaw dropped saying, is this really happening? Because yeah, it takes this you a is while not what realize. we're supposed to talk yeah. about. And by the way, um, you know, I was raised to have good manners and I was never told what to say to someone who pulls out their crank and starts yanking. It's not like I say like, uh, 
nice form. I mean, I, I don't know what you would say, and, and if you've been assaulted before, I think you have got to just say, why do I even go anywhere near football players? Because this is, well, and, this and, and is Kenny, awful. She, she was a little open about that. Yeah, there was... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Was there not a little bit of flirtation before that? And she's like, wait, 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 wait. We can't do this. We work together. I mean, is that true or is that something else that we're getting wrong? That's not quite right. Okay. Um, basically, what it, you know, Mel Tucker has said that they had a flirtatious uh, oh, romantic said that. Okay. relationship that they discussed openly. Uh, that has been his story. Uh, Brenda has said that she has never had any interest in Mel Tucker romantically, that she sensed, you know, after a few weeks of, of getting to know him or, or perhaps a few months that, uh, you know, initially she believed he was really interested in her cause and in supporting her work. Um, but it, it became clear to her that she, he was really more interested in her uh, than in her cause. And so he did these sorts of things that to her suggested, you know, that he was interested in her, you know, he sent her gifts, he would like send her copies of, of photos that she had posted on her Instagram and, so and compliment her eyes and that sort of thing. And he had made some more explicit statements. Like one time she says, he asked her, you know, if I wasn't a coach and I wasn't married, would you date me? He called her shirtless one time. And, and she says, basically she, made multiple efforts to set boundaries with him to try and be polite about it because she was trying to maintain this business relationship with the school, but that she made clear to him, like, I don't date people in the industry. I don't date people I work with. Um, and, and that's where she sort of left things, but you know, she was trying to, to continue her business relationship with the school so that she could t continue providing, uh, sexual misconduct, uh, education training, which is, which is her job, which is what she was hired to do. Uh, and, you know, she has said um, she's been in situations before where somebody has tried to flirt with her and she's been able to, you know, keep uh, an arm's length from them. She tried to do that here. And she said Tucker was just persistent and continued pursuing her. So, so uh, Tracy does not say uh, that, you know, she ever flirted with Tucker. She says gotcha. that was all a completely one-sided thing. So I, I, again, I'm not taking sides here, but if you've ever spoken to a woman in business, almost every one of them, and a woman who's not in business, this used to happen to my mom, very attractive single mom, when she's buying a car, that guys will say inappropriate shit to you, and you're kind of like, okay, here we go again, but we got to complete this deal, or I, you know, I, I want to make this sale, or I want to drive off the lot in this. 72 gold cutlass supreme you know i mean this is again i don't know what happened i haven't spoken to any of the parties here but if you're alive and you've ever spoken to a woman who's had to deal with a man for the most part with the exception of me and sean and mark and kenny most guys kind of get a little creepy sometimes and women have got to brush a lot of flies off God, yeah. um one thing that I've heard said, and and again, I'm not the authority on this, so I'd, I'd love to get your answer to this, is there was some conversation where Brenda said to Mel, have you ever imagined what I would look like naked or in a swimsuit or something like that? Is that coming from Brenda? Is that coming from Mel? Do both she sides had to work, acknowledge She had to work happened? out more so she looked better naked. Wasn't that, I think that might have been the line. Yeah. Is there anything that was said like that where Brenda said, yeah, I did say that, but that was just some bullshit. Uh, no, uh, no. Okay. that's coming completely from Mel Tucker. Okay. And, uh, you know, I think 
we we had a tough job here, right? Like we we were basically uh, you know condensing twelve hundred pages of documents <laughs> into uh, a thirty five hundred word story that people could read in a few minutes, right? There's a thick thick packet, and where everybody explains, you know, and answers every question for the investigators. They, you know, they were interviewed for hours and we weren't able to include every single detail from there in our story. But I think, you know, uh, once people have the opportunity to, to see the report from themselves, um, they'll see how she answered all these questions. But, but no, that, that's something that only Mel Tucker has said that, that she made that comment and, uh, that that made him aroused, and that that is what sort of started them having phone sex. Okay. She is saying that that never occurred. Okay, so, so so going back full circle, and that's why she wanted it embargoed until after the hearing, I would presume. Which leads me back to you, Kenny. How pissed were you when ESPN tried to scoop you by mentioning the story coming out? <laughs> um, I guess you know I. It doesn't really matter how I felt in that moment. Um, that's all. Uh, that, you could be pissed. I would have been pissed. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, uh, look, we, we already knew there were rumors going around about it. Um, and you know, that was, that included ESPN and, uh, as well as other outlets. So we figured that somebody was going to report something imminently. Um, we were kind of expecting that if an outlet did, they might have, uh, a little bit more to report uh, than just anonymous sources. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, that's what, that was the first piece that came out. And, and then we published ours about an hour later. So Kenny, you've been real generous with your time and I need, I know you need to get going soon, but there are just two, two quick things I want to touch on with you. Um, one of them is we all deal with sources who are in uh, in a controversy and often you find each side may something say something that doesn't quite measure up to the truth or may say something that's shaded to their to their advantage and when i try and figure out who's right and who's wrong i i kind of just keep a simple scorecard of this person said 10 things that are lies this person said three things that are lies or they've said no things that are lies and then i i just use that as a, a, a tool to evaluate who i believe more how many things roughly has Mel Tucker said that you believe are demonstrable lies? And how many things has Brenda Tracy said to you that you believe are demonstrable lies? What's the scorecard here? Yeah, well, I'm glad you bring that up because um, this is this is what we have to do to to assess these allegations, right? The nature of these cases are that there are no eyewitnesses and often no recordings to these sorts of things. And so in that sense, it, it is a sort of a he said, she said. Um, but, um, you know, the preponderance of evidence standard that schools use in these cases um, requires them to determine whose story is more likely to be true. And so it often comes down to whose account is more credible. And as you've noted, uh, I've, I've counted at least five different uh, blatantly inconsistent statements that Tucker has made. Um, and I, there are probably more than that, but I have, that's what I've reported so far. Um, so for one, you know, when he was being interviewed by the investigator, um, he misled the investigator about where he was when the incident occurred. He said uh, that he had been at home in East Lansing and that he had just gotten home from this trip to Florida uh, that he said was was absolutely not work related, was not a university event. Well, the investigator obtained records showing that that's not true, that he he actually was in Naples, Florida 
uh, traveling on the university's dime uh, when this incident occurred and that the he had been attending this charity golf tournament and that that absolutely was uh, work related. He had submitted an expense report to the university seeking reimbursement for his hotel and meal costs during the trip. And he had flown there on a donor's private plane. And uh, this this expense report explicitly states that the work's purpose uh, was administrative and did not involve uh, personal travel. And so to me, when, when you can't even necessarily keep your story straight about where you were uh, during this incident that is potentially catastrophic to your career, um, that's something that could really, you know, harm your, your credibility later. So that's five strikes on Mel. How many strikes does Brenda have? I have not counted any uh, for Brenda and I have not reported any. Um, you know, I think when you, when you hear her answer some of these questions that, that both of you have raised, your, your response is sort of like, well, yeah, that makes sense. Maybe it's not what I would have expected here, uh, but she's not, you know, out here changing her story and and getting you know basic facts about it wrong. Okay. Yeah, she's been very consistent, right? And didn't I think yeah. in the last story you wrote that ML, ML, sorry, Mel Tucker. Um, yeah, I'm trying to put some distance between us. That <laughs> that E means the whole, and actually. Mel is an anagram of MLE, which are my, there's no way I'm going to be able to escape this. But, but he made <laughs> contradictory statements from his, what he told investigators versus his public statement. Um, what were a few of those, those contradictions? Yeah. So, you know, he puts out this, this public statement on Monday or, or Tuesday, I think Monday after the story ran and, you know, he sort of repeats, uh, you know, much of what he's been telling the investigator from, from the beginning, um, making a lot of uh, allegations about Brenda and, you know, saying that he's being falsely accused. Um, but, you know, one, one advantage we have is, you know, Brenda gave us access to the full case file. And so I was able to go and compare his statements to what he told the investigator. And, and you're right that there were some pretty glaring inconsistencies. For instance, you know, we, we talked earlier about uh, this, this, uh, visit that Mel Tucker canceled, um, you know, three days before it was uh, supposed to occur. And, and that was sort of the impetus for them talking again and for this threat to be made. And, uh, Mel Tucker said in his statement that, oh no, I never canceled, uh, Brenda's trip. We just postponed it until, uh, January, 2021. Well, that is not what he told the investigators. He told the investigator, yes, absolutely, I had a role in canceling her visit. Uh. Furthermore, he said, uh, you know, we had no discussions about bringing her back in January uh, 2023 because that would not make sense to do that because my players would not even be here uh, at that time. Yeah. And so, you know, those sorts of things, like uh, they just, he's going back and forth. He's changing his story. And uh, to me, it, it suggests that, you know, um, he's not necessarily trying to win the case on the facts, but per perhaps on just on public opinion. Oh, what an idiot. Hey, Kenny, Sean, Sean Windsor here. Oh, uh, hi, Sean. Sean showed up. <laughs> uh, you know, little, little traffic and construction issues, but, uh, <laughs> but that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if you've been asked this, but it, what just you, fix the damn roads. Yeah, exactly. What do you make? Uh, uh, six. I'm curious your opinion of how Michigan state has handled this and um, kind of, I don't want to say hiding behind title line, but they, they act like they have not had access to information when the law and their own policies have absolutely allowed them to have access to information at any point. Yeah, you're right about that. So Michigan State, um, you know, they they have come out and said, 
that they first learned about the details of the case after reading USA Today's story. And their explanation for that is that, um, that essentially, um, uh, they had this firewall set up between the Title IX office and and the administration, um, so that you know and this is actually a, a a protocol that universities use to prevent these officials from potentially tampering in the case. You make sure that the case uh, is is housed within Title IX and that they have the opportunity to independently examine the facts without any undue influence. Uh, from from higher ups at the university who might have some interest uh, in the outcome. So they're saying, um, you know, they basically this case has been going on almost nine months and that they just learned the details. Um, and there, you know, it is possible that they could have known, right? The Title IX office could have absolutely gone to the university general counsel and said, hey, you know, these facts are, are so clear cut. We think you need to know about them. We think maybe some action against Tucker is warranted while the investigation is ongoing. And, you know, the university could have then come back and, and said, yeah, we've looked at this report and, and we also think, you know, he should be suspended without pay. That's not what they did here. I think they were, were probably genuinely trying to, to keep some distance from the case and maybe they'll look back on this and decide uh, that wasn't the best course of action just given uh, the uniqueness of this situation. Uh, but that, I do think it was a, a difficult decision because especially if you, you know, suspend him uh, without pay, like at the onset of the investigation before any fact-finding investigation um, has been done, um, then you're just inviting so much speculation and uh, rumors and, and questions about, well, why is, why is he being excluded from this team? And, and that's not always what victims want in these sorts of situations. No, they don't. But when the report comes back in July, uh, to me, and this is, this is also somewhat, uh, somewhat of a protocol for universities, and just in general with HR departments, it's just kind of where our culture is. When there are accusations, allegations made like that, the organization will often suspend, sometimes with pay, pending the investigation right so i mean i understand it when it first happened in december to a degree but well, the title line office is on that campus and they see what comes in in july and for them not to go to the council or the or the president or even the athletic director and say we got an issue he this this coach cannot be overseeing training camp i want to pick on the sideline for the first couple of games i want to piggyback that and, and ask this question because you know one of the stories kenny wrote last week is how Mel Tucker's the one that delayed this because that always boggled my mind. Like, why would they do it during the bye week? That's a really weird time when the, the report comes out in July. And it turns out he's the one and his lawyer kept kicking the can down the road. And he was paid uh, 750000 I think he wrote, per month. Can Michigan State recoup any of that? Is that a, would they even bother recouping that? Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. Um, I don't think they can get that back. I'm not a legal expert, but but I think you know the money's in his account, and it, it's not going to be easy to get that back. You know, going on the previous point, we don't know, right? If the Title IX office did make a recommendation to the general counsel or the president and say, "Hey, we think he should be suspended," and and maybe somebody at the higher uh, levels of the university decided that that wasn't in their interest. We actually don't know that, so. I don't want to speculate about who, you know, did, but they could, no, we don't know, but, but they, no, they we don't have. know that, but they had that opportunity, right? Because they, they, had would, the opportunity, they would with yeah. a lot of other employees. And, and again, you know, you know, I understand you don't want to speculate, but it seems that the opportunity was there. And just based on precedent, 
with how they would handle, say, if a professor, and I made this point before, a professor or somebody that's running a building, a maintenance building, if they had a complaint come in, they would generally suspend pending the the, invest, the hearing, right? I think, yeah, the case could be made that that, that is, uh, you know, what they would have done with a, a professor potentially. But again, like, you know, going back to the second point, right, and this speaks to the delays. Um, I think, you know, if Michigan State had any intention of, of firing him after this this case based off you know a finding of responsibility they need to ensure that they've done everything that they can to give him you know the due process that he's entitled to and um that includes i think you know in in some cases uh, people have made the argument successfully in court that an interim suspension while a case is ongoing before it has concluded um can actually in and of itself be a Title IX violation. Now, I think universities have some discretion here, and so they were allowed to decide what to do. But now, going speaking about the delays, um, we have a couple different things going on here. One, Mel Tucker delayed the case for three months at the onset of the investigation, uh, while the investigator had spoken to everyone, uh, all the witnesses, and and Brenda in the first month of the case. Um, Tucker did not speak to the investigator until late March. Um, and, you know, in the meantime, he and his attorney were, were trying to get the investigation stopped. They were making lots of arguments um, that, um, you know, uh, that the, the school didn't have jurisdiction to investigate. And he did he and his attorney did approach Brandon Tracy about uh, a potential settlement on the back end. Um, you know, after this report was released in July, the, the hearing offers, uh, ho- the, excuse me, the hearing officer scheduled the hearing for late August. Um, but uh, Brenda, or I'm sorry, Tucker and his attorney said, oh, you know, we're not available those dates. Uh, the school comes back and says, well, how about these 10 dates uh, in September uh, and offer them to both sides. Brenda and her attorney said, we can only not do one date, but we can do the other nine. And uh, Tucker and his attorney said, oh, well, we're not available for any of those other nine. And so <laughs> that's why it ended up getting pushed into October um, while, uh, you know, Mel Tucker was still collecting that pretty hefty paycheck. So a, a couple quick things here. Um, we're looking at the timeline here. Uh, Haller knows about this in December and Tucker cancels her visit in January. I wonder if that's because one of the conditions Haller put on Tucker was, you can't be anywhere near this woman. I don't want her in the same room, in the same county, in the same state with you. But I, I want to come back to Haller knowing about this in, in December is that appropriate under under Title IX that that the athletic director would know the identity of the victim and not tell the university president or anybody else and just take whatever measures he thought were suitable to control the situation? Well, just to correct that timeline a little bit, so Please. you know, uh, the the cancellation happened in July of 2022. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, it was reported in December 2022. So. Okay. Uh, she was that, due to be here in January of 2023. Oh, maybe. But he canceled. But, but I mean, so so Tucker canceled her in the summer. Haller yes. found out in December, but she would have been here in January if it hadn't been for the cancellation. Okay, so that's that's my my error. But m- more to the the, the Haller thing. Uh, yeah. Based on what he said about what he knew and what he did, did he follow the rules or? Yeah, yeah I, I think he. You know he was allowed to to know information about the case. He says he knew the identity of the complainant 
And I believe the reason for that is because, um, you know, as Tucker's supervisor, right. he was tasked with enforcing the interim measures that had been put in place. And one of those interim measures was uh, a no contact order between uh, Brenda and and Mel. So, you know, in that sense, you know, it does make sense that he knew okay. uh, that uh, her identity in order to ensure that they, you know, weren't communicating. Okay. So Kenny Jacoby, investigative reporter with USA Today. Uh, last question. This will be the big, the big closer here. Brenda said she wanted to see this case concluded uh, with before it got publicized. Has she said anything about whether she plans to sue after the case is concluded? Has there been, I'm, I'm sure you must have asked her at some point, do you see pursuing litigation uh, at any time over this, this incident? I think it's in the cards. Um, I, I don't have an indication one way or another as to whether she will. Um, I know, you know, she has, one thing that has upset her a lot is that, um, you know, essentially she had to come out with this story sooner than she wanted to because she believes somebody at the school leaked, you know, her name uh, to the media. And I think that in and of itself, that could be something that she potentially uh, files suit over. Um, but, you know, I don't have any indication right now um, that she's suing or planning to sue. So she didn't say, I'm going to beat his ass in the Title IX and beat his ass in court and make sure this never happens again. I mean, it would be a nice quote, but uh, okay. Well, hey, Kenny, uh, thank you very much. I, uh, I will just tell you, if you're in town, if you come to East Lansing, I offer you my protection in the same way Pedro offered it to anybody who voted him for him for president and Napoleon Dynamite. I think I have the same clout that Napoleon has. I'm a little taller, but um, then the real Napoleon, not then the guy who played him in the movie. But thank you for the great work. I know you're going to have more. Where can people follow you to get the, the scoop as soon as it's ready to serve up? Yeah, you know, usatoday.com is where all my stories are published, and uh, I post uh, all, all my work on Twitter as well, as well as some more uh, intermediate, you know, developments in the case. So you can find me at, at Kenny Jacoby on Twitter or X. So it's pretty straightforward. There's more to come. Uh, great work, great Kenny. Work, yeah. As a Spartan, I have to tell you, it's great work. As a Wolverine, I'll tell you it was great work. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's written about uh, Harbaugh, too, so... Yeah. Oh, well, that's on <laughs> yeah. next week's show. Okay, Kenny, well, I, mean, we, I know we got to let you go. Uh, I don't want you to run into any of that Sean traffic. So uh, thanks for being with us. Keep up the great work, <laughs> and we will talk to you again soon, I'm sure. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Next up, we have a special guest who's patiently been waiting. Uh, Vincent McCraw from the Detroit chapter of the National Association of Black <laughs> Journalists is zooming in to tell us about a big event, a roast of Chuck Stokes, who you all know from Channel 7. He is uh, the host of Spotlight on the News, a true gentleman and a giant in the Michigan, Detroit, specifically journalism community. All that is going to be forgotten the minute the roast starts. So, Vince, thanks for joining us. Tell us a little bit more about when and where this is happening and how people can get out there and be a part of it. Uh, thanks. Hello, ML and and your team gang. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we are celebrating Detroit and ABJ, which is an affiliate chapter of the National Association of Black Journalists. Uh, we're uh, celebrating our 40th anniversary as an affiliate chapter of the of the National uh, this year. And we're doing a big celebration on this Sunday at Motor City uh, Casino uh, with a gala reception and a dinner and uh 
as you noted, uh, we're going to be roasting um, uh, Chuck Stokes. Now, many people have said Chuck is such a nice guy that it's hard to roast him. But I think uh, we'll find out differently on Sunday. Uh, just so you know, some of the lineup of those roasting him will be uh, 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 Bill Proctor, formerly investigative reporter at WXYZ, Darcy McConnell, who has her own uh, communications crisis uh, business here in town, um, Luther Keith, uh, formerly an ed uh, uh, editor at the um, Detroit News. That's bad man well, Luther Keith. Bad man Luther Keith, uh, who's also a blues musician, and the the um, the MC for the roast part of the gala will be Ed Gordon. Many of you may know Ed Gordon from his days at uh, BET, but he's also a Detroit native, um, so he'll be the roast. And then we'll also have for the rest of the program uh, Sunday evening, uh, MCs will be uh, Megan Wood at uh, WDIV and Josh Landon at um, Fox Two. Fox Two. My friend and former colleague, Josh Landon, the pride of the east side, Denby High School tar. There you go. And the whole point is not only, one, to, to celebrate our chapter, but also to recognize those who came before in this chapter in various capacities, to work with, um, uh, to work in the chapter and with the chapter, to fulfill the mission of Detroit and ABJ and the national organization um, in ABJ. And that is to advocate on behalf of black journalists here in Metro Detroit media. And I can tell you as a former member of the Detroit chapter that this chapter does tremendous work. Some of the early work uh, about 20 years ago was trying to make sure that when uh, descriptions went out on newscasts, that it wasn't average size black male wearing jeans because every brother in town was getting stopped. That was a huge thing to try and stop profiling and to really help get the bad guys caught and everybody else stay safe. Lots of scholarships given out by DC NABJ to help people get their careers going. Uh, young people are active in the chapter so that they can make the connections that they need to make uh, their career start humming. And a lot of times what you see in underserved communities is... People need mentors, and people need someone to show them the way. They may be the first generation going to college. And if you're the first generation of your family going to college, and you tell them, I want to go into journalism, like, why are we going to spend all that money for you to be unemployed in four years? That does not make sense. DCNABJ shows people what can be done, how to do it, and that there is a future for people who want to tell the stories that are so important and far too often are not told. So this is a great event. This is a, a tremendous cause. How much are tickets, Vince? Well, the tickets for single sales have closed. Okay. Uh, and that's that's a good thing. Um, we're expecting a little over 200 uh, people. Um, uh, we are still selling tables at $1,250, uh, $1,250. And if you wish to buy a table that seats 10, you can do that by reaching out to uh, at uh, DetroitNABJ uh, at gmail.com. You can go to PayPal and search for DetroitNABJ through that email. Uh, one thing, a couple of things I want to say, um, ML, if it's okay. Sure. Uh, that, uh, off of what you said is, uh, I want to note, note that we do have also, in Pat, about two years now, uh, a mentorship program that does the kind of thing that uh, you just talked about. Uh, those young people who are um, interested in this in this uh, business of this profession are paired with local journalists around town to serve as their mentors. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is, you know, part of our work now too is still 
while and advocating for our members and those if you're not a member but you're black journalists in this town uh, we will advocate for you if you reach out to us but we also you know the diversity piece um, i often say that a lot of newsrooms um not just locally but nationally tend to have gotten the diversity piece correct of the dei in terms of hiring but it's the equity and inclusion part now where the work still remains um, in terms of training and retaining and promoting uh, journalists in their newsrooms, as well as having them at the table when decisions are made about coverage and and to make sure, as you noted, that uh, the, co the coverage is done of uh, communities, particularly in our case, Black and Latino communities here that often go uncovered or undercovered. And, and I met the editor of the Free Press. Uh, she's the editor now. Nicole Avery Nichols, when I was a member of DC NABJ, and she was an editor at the Detroit News, and that was 20 years ago, and that's when I knew that if you were going to war, you want Nicole as a general. Now, she is she is now the, the, the chairwoman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff at the Detroit Free Press, so... So this and she's also she's also the co-chair of our 40th anniversary committee along with uh, Felicia Henderson. That's why you sold out all those single tickets already. When Nicole gets going, and and of course Felicia's uh, late husband, the great Angela Henderson, Pulitzer Prize winner. I understand there was quite a vigorous roast of him at one point. So uh, yeah, years ago. Yeah. yeah so this is going to be a good night. Uh, we're going to find out a little bit about Chuck. We're going to find out his friends. Maybe we're paying a little closer attention to his conduct than he may be comfortable with. <laughs> but it's going to be a great night, and we, we really appreciate you coming on to talk about it. And we will put a link to the DC NABJ website and how you can get a table, $12.50. I'm sure that's tax deductible. The website, by the way, DetroitNABJ.org, and you can get all the that's info there. Yep. Okay. So, so have a great time, Vince, and uh, tell Chuck uh, we love him. You might want to might get your arms around. He may need a little support after that. Okay, I sure will. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you. Vincent McCraw, Detroit Chapter, National Association of Black Journalists here on The Soul of Detroit. Hey, I want to mention, uh, if you have uh, financial issues, say you have a lot of money and you don't know what to do with it, there's a person you should call. That's a good problem to have. Is that, would that be Luke Nowak? Yeah, maybe you don't have enough money, but you want money in the future. Oh, I thought you said. I don't if you, know, I'm just, if you have I'm just too searching for a segue oh, yeah. of any kind, just to talk about Luke Nowacki. Don't from, get roasted when you retire. And realize that was too corny. You got to work for another. Oh, but you need to figure out, right? If you're on target to meet your financial goals. Yes, that's we agree. Because nobody that. wants to work till they're 105. Nobody wants to work till they're 86 unless they want to be president. Or not want to have to work, right? If you love what you're doing, do it till you die. But you don't want to feel like you got no choice. All right, fair point. Fair point. So okay, take it away. Invest with Luke Nowak here. At least, right, Sean? at least call him at two. Right. At least go. call. We have a quorum. It's unanimous. <laughs> Motion carried. Call Luke 248-663-4748. That's 248-663-4748 for a uh, little review. See what your money's doing and what your goals are going to be. And Luke will help you out. Uh, because when you call Luke, he will make it all about you, sweetheart. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Bonaic Wealth. Sync member FINRASIPC Bonaic Wealth. Sync is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent Bonaic Wealth. Sync. Um, oh, we're not supposed oh, to move on? Yeah, no, no, no. I want to tell you about another <laughs> advertiser because we have a special deal with this advertiser. That's the Michigan Peddler because summer is over 
but it's not over for Detroit's top-rated party bike. The fall fun has just begun. Invite friends and family up to 15 per bike for fun Friday nights on the town, a Saturday afternoon soaking up the fall sun, or a roving tailgate before a Sunday Lions game. It's a perfect way to get people socializing and off their damn phones. Unless they're taking photos at Detroit landmarks that will make them the envy of everyone on Instagram. Michigan Peddlers, the party bike famous for cameos on Detroiters and for hosting celebrities from Solange, a.k.a. Beyonce's Beyonce sister. sister. Athletes, media hotshots, and soul of Detroit listeners have also cruised with the Michigan Peddlers. fun time, yeah. Small groups are no problem. The mini peddler is perfect for members of the Sean Windsor fan club because it accommodates groups of six or less. You got a little, you got a, a little wry smile out of him. No chuckle, no nothing else. Perfect for members of the Sean Windsor fan club because it accommodates groups of six or less. We need to, we need to get to Geek of the Week. It could be less than you just six. just got here. Most likely is less than six, but they will accommodate you because that's what they do. Do you know how disappointed I was when I walked in and the show wasn't done? Ride Start. <laughs> well, you could have just sat down and said, hey, good to see you, Cyrus. Uh, ride Start and Cork Down so you don't have to worry about traffic or paying for parking before heading through Cork Down to Midtown, uh-huh. Campus Martius, the stadiums in downtown. And if it's the Sean Windsor Fan Club, you know, just drive your smart car down there. Everybody will fit. You can park right there. <laughs> Uh, you can even turn your ride into a pub crawl. Now, if you're booking a birthday celebration, the guest of honor gets a free Michigan Peddler t-shirt. But if you book a ride and use promo code ML, the person who books that ride or the designated uh, beneficiary of the party will get some sweet, only available through the Michigan Peddler, ML Soul of Detroit logo gear to wear proudly. Ooh. On the ride or after the ride, when people are like, damn, how'd you get that shit? And we'll say, oh, this is how. And well, this is how they got it. They called the Michigan Peddler at 313-744-3272. Or they visited michiganpeddler.com. That's M-I-C-H-I-G-A-N-P-E-D-A-L-E-R.com. We'll have a link to their site on our, our site. So once again, that's 744-3272 or michiganpeddler.com. Oh man, the geeks have inherited the earth. Did I do that? What a dork. Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek? Or we're turning into cool guys? Sean hates the Geek of the Week. No, no, no. I don't mind the Geek of the Week, and it's just going to be you and me right now because I cannot take Mark's pain anymore. <laughs> go upstairs. Fine. All right. Go upstairs. Have, you're shaking. You're, you're about to convulse over here. I know, but why are you overmodulating into the microphone? Because I'm tired. All right. I'll be right back. Carry on. Okay. We so, got to make it long enough. We will. Yeah, we're, we're good. That's not a problem. Uh, so I wanted to change things up and make it Hero of the Week. And my Hero of the Week, Sean, any idea? Your, you, of course. No, no, no. No. It's Hunter Biden, who is a previous Geek of the Week. You know why he would be our Hero of the Week? No idea. Because he has brought Republicans and Democrats together. He is the only person Democrats don't want charged with a gun crime and the only person with a gun Republicans don't want charged with a crime. No, no, I got that backwards. Democrats don't want charged with a gun crime, and Republicans do want charged with a gun crime. Boy, I, I probably... No, no, no. I think that, that Republicans that don't think the gun charge... I think they think the gun charge is a, a deception, a distraction, a ruse designed to uh, pull attention away from much more serious crimes. I think that's the idea, right? 
No, no, I think they wanted him charged with a gun crime. That's why they wanted that. But I saw all the pushback when he was that, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it's just this, right? Because, of the, you know, right? Well, I think Isn't he's being charged idea? with the other stuff, too. Yeah, yeah event, uh, eventually, right? Okay, so this didn't go well at all. So my other option for Geek of the Week was me because I had tickets to Duran Duran. What about a hero? Well, it bought Hunter Biden because... Uh, because No, but what's another hero? Kenny Jacoby. I was just going to say our guest. There you go. Yeah. Um, boy, we're agreeing on stuff. It, it's, it's like a Hunter Biden moment. Um, I was going to make myself Geek of the Week because I had tickets to Duran Duran and the Michigan State Huskies, Michigan State Washington Huskies football game, and I sold the Duran Duran tickets and went to the football game. Why? Bad, bad choice. Bad I choice. looked for you. I mean, you I didn't, didn't see have me weeping. I didn't have binoculars or anything, so I couldn't see. So late in the game, you know, I always get a bottle of Fireball in there. Late in the game, I uh, had a supervisor for the grounds crew come up to us because there were very few people there. So if you're taking a pull off a bottle, you're very obvious. And they basically just came by and said, are you guys okay? They weren't really worried about the booze. They just like, are you going to jump over the wall? And I said, I thought about it, but I, I didn't. So, so it was going to be me. But, but you know who it is? And I can't wait for Mark to get here. Because wait, I know wait. Is, it, he's, uh, he's is gonna, this a hero or a geek? He's going to love. I'm confused. Hero we did or the geek? heroes. Now we're back to the geeks. It was going to be me, but it's Tom Mazaway. Oh, yeah, always. Because here's what Mazaway what tweeted from the Spartan game. In all my years of attending games, I've never had a worse experience entering a stadium than today in E-Lansing. Utter chaos in the concourse. People just crushing each other trying to move. Why? Because they're selling beer for the first time. I'm not exaggerating. Horrible! Yeah, we talked to him yesterday. He was, he was very... He said he almost passed out. <sighs> well, yeah. let's just paint the, the, the quick picture. That concourse is not easy to get through, period. No. Long before they started selling beer. Have they ever sold alcohol there for any event? I mean, I saw you 2 there, but I would have assumed they had beer there. I can't remember. Uh, probably not. But, but Maz goes to a game where they're doing something new. They just had metal detectors, which, by the way, I've gone through them twice now. Seamless. But then they're selling beer. You're going to expect a sold-out crowd in an old building that is now selling beer to be a little crowded. So I tweeted back. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. We don't have a, a buffet for you to assault. <laughs> and then he got, this place will never see me again. Oh, well, yeah, guess right. what? Oh, but he also said, I paid for these tickets. I had family visiting and I bought everybody tickets. I think that's why he's really mad. <laughs> All right, yes. Yeah. yeah. I'll give you that. I so, think you said that you should say the geek of the week is anybody that wants, uh, and I got a couple of these emails. Dan Campbell fired now. <laughs> for one game for one game ah uh, it's good to see things settling back into normal in lion's land so tom mazaway who says he will never cast his shadow in east lansing again i feel guilty naming you our geek of the week because that sounds good to me but still tommy you love free shit well here's something else for your shelf you are our geek of the week <laughs> So Tommy and I got a little Twitter war, and I think I may have Who dropped. Won? 
I may have dropped the nuclear bomb on him when I said the reason why the concessions were so screwed up is because Alex Rodriguez is running them. That's a good line. So it's a good joke. All the all the Drew and Mike people. No, that's exactly. A, God, let me ask you this though. That's a very um, good joke. You were there, right? I was. Yeah, there. because he sold his Duran Duran tickets, which you missed when you wanted to use the restaurant. Oh. Yeah, I had to choose between Duran Duran and Michigan State. And he wanted to make himself the geek of the week for terrible choice. Exactly for that choice. He also you. wanted to make Hunter Biden the hero because he wants to have a new segment every week called the Hero of the Week. Why would he be? No, no, not not every week. No, because I said Hunter Biden brought. Let me see. Well, right you, you don't need to go over. He brought again. Democrats and Republicans together because he's the only guy Democrats don't want charged with a gun crime. And Republicans do want charged with a gun crime. It worked better that time. That's a that was, solid joke. We, we were um, Sean and I workshopped it. But I did want to ask you: Were the lines that bad? Were the alcohol, the beer lines that bad? So I didn't buy any. I you know I know, I, but you saw them. I, oh, of course um, you, did. you know I I I went through and got to my seat, and I was very glad to see uh, the Mark D'Antonio D'Antonio era uh, brought back uh, terrible play calling. And thunderstruck before the game, which is one of my favorite things. And they brought the walk back where the guys walked. Wasn't from, the question? The question was, I, so you didn't see bad. Yeah, lines. I didn't experience it. No, I mean okay. it was. I, I I get there just before kickoff. You saw them it's out of a, the corner of your eye. It's a game where the stadium is pretty much sold out. And the, and I'll tell you oh. something. The, the people from Washington traveled. Oh yeah. Great, and you know why? They had a twofer. They had. The, the Huskies in Seattle in 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 East Lansing and then the the Seahawks in Detroit. I so, saw Seahawks jerseys Saturday night in East Lansing. Okay. Pretty nice weekend if you flew in from Seattle. We were much better hosts here in Michigan than they were when I flew out to Washington. I'll tell well, you. Well, I mean, I would say if if it was bad, like Tom said, they'll fix it. It's the first time. Tom is used to getting through the red, <laughs> just waltzing right the, there. Yeah, through the velvet <laughs> rope because like. Hey, uh, yeah, Drew Lane's tickets here. And like, hey, boop, 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 no, he got mad when I suggested yesterday. Just use uh, use a press pass next time. Yeah, this I love Tom, but he's the scroungiest mother scratcher you will ever meet. And if you want a clown Spartan, I guess he's never been to Michigan Stadium when people are trying to wait to get in the bathrooms. It's a college stadium that's old. There's only a few shitters, and when you're selling beer, it's going to be longer lines. Get used to it, Tommy. This is the way the rest of us who pay for stuff live. Anyway, Catchy Cafe is brought to you <laughs> by the other East Side Giant, not not Tom Masway. Of course, uh, they'll be unveiling a bust of Tom on the East Side very Giant soon. Huh? Huh? What? I don't know. Never mind. <clears throat> Still. Even PTSD Great. from those Fantastic orange cones. Fantastic contribution. Um, yeah. Cadu uh, Cafe, something fantastic happening every week. Uh, Wednesday. <laughs> no, tonight, Mr. Picasso with J.C. Whitelaw. That's Tuesday. Wednesday, karaoke. Thursday, Terrapin Flyer performs the music of the Grateful Dead. Friday, Slippery People, a Talking Heads tribute. I think we know where Sean will be <laughs> on Friday. Ish is also playing, which I'm assuming is some sort of Irish band. Saturday, Pockets and the TSB. Sunday, R.J. Spangler's Planet D. None. Monday, Blue Mondays, Open Blues Jam, and All You Can Eat Muscles. It is muscle madness on Mondays. So you are going to want to hit the Cadu Cafe for a great time on the east side. Check out the new sign. Check out the beer garden. It's all great. And finally, we have an entry in room 7609 that I think Sean will appreciate. Love it. Duran Duran, who rocked the LCA with this little ditty, the theme song to one of the great James Bond songs, A View 
to a kill. Meeting you with a view to a kill Face to faces, secret places Feel the chill Covers me, but you know the plans I'm making still overseas. Could it be the whole of opening wide? A sacred wine, a mystery keeping inside. The weekends wide until we die. Water into wine. <laughs> Love it. Sean Windsor is happy. I didn't take my headphones off. With a selection. So I could listen to 7609. it. It's a great song. Yeah, That's no, I'm from a band that I don't like at all, but I, I've always really enjoyed. Uh, okay, <laughs> Mr. Positive. I've always, it's always got a caveat. I've always really caveat. enjoyed that, uh, that song. And uh, that was also my favorite Roger Moore Bond movie. Really? It's a terrible, terrible one. None of his were good. Not one of them. What? I did like... You um, didn't like... Um, you didn't like The Man right. with the Golden Gun? 
Uh, or to live and let die? No. Oh, wow. The black exploitation Bond movie? <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank you. How does it get any better than that? Uh, I'd, I'd view to a kill. And the because... guy from the Seven Up commercials? No, yeah, exactly. As a shaman? No, he was also the art director. Great in the, new wave band, in, the shaman. In, in uh, Boomerang with Eddie Murphy right. and uh, <laughs> right. making these wildly sexual <laughs> movies <laughs> with uh, a great with Stranger, who was Jeffrey played by Grace Jones. Joffrey, uh, I can't remember what his last name is. But and Eartha Kitt's in that, too. In what? In uh, Boomerang, throwing herself at Eddie Murphy. How did we go from James Bond? Because he was in that. Uh, Jeffrey uh, was in that. He was he made these really lewd uh, commercials that would for perfume in the movie. Yeah, love puss. Isn't that what it was? <laughs> yeah, it was Grace Jones. Yeah, Robin. Uh, Robin. Uh, uh, she dated Mike Tyson. Robin Givens. Robin Givens was in it. Didn't too. Um, didn't Eddie Murphy get arrested for octopusy? Huh? Huh? Are you trying to make a joke? Is that? Thought that was. I like Maude Adams Octopussy, too. Octopussy. There you go. That's uh, no. That's I said Octopussy was kind of fun. Okay. No, that's he said it was his favorite Roger Moore movie. No, View to a Kill, and then Octopussy. Those two. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, okay. where they where they eat the uh, eat that brain out of the so, lamb's oh, head. Is it a lamb or a monkey? Sweet sweet breads. I think that's called. I it? thought it was lamb. And you no, know, okay. because the bad guy ate the eyeball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are great movies. Um, I, I'm going to suggest that you stick with the all-you-can-eat muscles at the Cadu Cafe on Monday. But uh, but Room 7609, we're getting some great nominations in for New Wave songs. Fabulous. That, that did double duty as theme songs for movies we love, and sometimes movies people didn't like that much. In this case, we got the rare twofer from Sean, which is pretty much hitting for the cycle with the Sour Patch Kid. Um, we got uh, uh, To Live and Die in L.A. by Wang Chung last week, and we have a couple more. Great movie, not a great song. Fantastic movie. And, and spoiler alert, can I do a spoiler alert? Sure. How many movies have you seen where the protagonist dies 10 or 15 yeah. minutes before the movie's over? Just when you're like, this guy's in a jam, he's never going to get out of it, I can't wait to see how he gets out of it. And he gets shot in the face. Unbelievable. Great movie. Terrific movie. There's a little bit of breaking news right now. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. Regarding Mel Tucker. Oh, boy. Or he's decided to release another statement. <laughs> uh, that last one was pretty good, but it was what he didn't say that I think made it Well, less I almost want to get Kenny back on the line. Um, but Mel's statement, he says, I don't believe Michigan State's plans to fire me because I admitted to entirely entirely consensual private relationship with another adult who gave one presentation at Michigan State at my, at my behest over two years ago. A cursory reading of the facts and timeline should cause any fair-minded person to conclude that other motives are at play. I look forward to one day obtaining discovery at Michigan State, including the trustees in the athletic department, to see what they really knew and, First set, and, shot set, about fired. This, and set about this matter as well as their motives in handling the entire investigation process. He has just served notice to everybody at Michigan money. State. No, no. He yeah. served notice to them. Do not delete your texts. Do not clean up your emails. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's what people are thinking. He wants, no. he he wants, wants money. money. He wants money. He, no, no, he wants money. for an NDA. Right, but, but what he's telling them is what we were talking about. It's like, I'm going to have discovery. And when I have, oh, I guess we talked about that off the air, but when you sue somebody, you have discovery and a judge can compel them to give you something they would never, ever in a million years, not only acknowledge it exists, but give you because it may help make your case. And I, 
I was surprised Michigan State tried to fire him outright because I thought for sure they'd give him some walk away well, money. Maybe they have more. Maybe they have more they know. You know. So as uh, here's there's a little more to it. Oh, too. please. I, I didn't know about this. Maybe you guys can shine some light on it. But um, uh, let's see. He said the university does not care about his rights or the truth and called the entire process a miscarriage of justice. He also said he recently emailed the AD, Alan Haller, quote, requesting a medical leave under the Family and Medical Leave Act for a serious health condition. Does he have a sprained wrist? There were so many, there were so many jokes flying through my head. I'm glad you used one. I mean, it's not uh, funny. I mean, if, if he... No, if, that joke was funny. I'll give you that. No, but I mean, if, 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 he, if he traumatized somebody in, in, a, in a coercive or abusive way, there's nothing funny about this, but, but it's, it's becoming is, absurd. Is he, is he trying... It's absurd. Is he trying to get some sympathy? Is he trying to get... Like, what is a serious medical condition? I mean, have you ever known him to be unhealthy? Well, what if he says, I was an alcoholic and I didn't have control of myself? Like, you see a lot of these guys who harass people who say, oh, you know what, I yeah. was—I suffered a blow to the head, I was I was uh, yeah, but wouldn't there be some mentis, I was, well, I mean, you know, maybe, I mean, there are people saying that Mel has a drinking problem. Now, there are people saying every damn thing they can think of, and we haven't seen any evidence yet, I but... Mean, this, uh, this whole statement, he is just... He's just dump dunking on MSU because the whole thing about um, read more. Michigan State knew about the information of which it supposedly relied on to end my contract since last March of 2023. Uh, the complaint was filed December 2022. Yet only after Ms. Tracy and potentially others leaked the confidential investigation report to the press, did Michigan State suddenly decide this same information warrants termination. You know what? I believe him. So here's where Mel's going. I, I mean, Absolutely he's not he's it. not wrong there. But once again, Sean, maybe I'm cynical, but that's points to the whole idea of give me some money for an NDA. No, well, for sure. But he's he's trying to call out their hypocrisy that they've known for a long, long time, and it was only the public embarrassment that got the ball rolling. Well, there's also a narrative going around that uh, that Michigan State is wants to fire him to save all the money that this is all about getting rid of a bad football coach and that the I'm sure that's title nine complaint it is, is basically their excuse to hit the dump button. And I think, I mean, he knows that he hears all this. And so he's trying to parlay that and say, yeah, you know what you really, you've, you've ginned up this, this baseless complaint to save the money you owe me. And I think the statement he had last week had some overtones of, you know, this is racial. Racism, I mean, yeah. yeah, he's going to use every tool in his kit because you know what? He's got nothing else to do, and there's $80 million on the line. But, um, you know, as a Spartan who wants things to go away, get better, um, I hope this thing goes all the way, the full length that we get a trial, that everything comes out. But that means this is going to prolong this for years. But, um, so but, what did you, what did you well, think? Uh, not not to make it trivial here, but what what were you thinking standing up in the stadium Saturday evening? I had, watching that and thinking about that. You know, I had friends who thought this is going to give them an emotional lift, and they're going to put together a performance that surprises people because they're going to rally. You know, they feel like they've been they've been dragged into this and all this other stuff. And I said, well, boy, I'd like to believe that, and I think it's possible, but. I don't think so. Uh, first first quarter, feel, feel Michigan State moved the ball a little bit. They don't often do that on their first possession. I thought that was encouraging. Scripted. When they were so loud that, that Washington took a couple of delay of game penalties and called timeouts, I thought, wow, that's great. Everybody's behind these guys. It could be, could be something. 
But then I saw what I've seen against Central Michigan. I saw what I saw in Seattle last year. Wide receivers with nobody around them, a quarterback with all the time in the world. And then when he threw the ball... He put it right in their hands where no one else could get it. Okay, Washington let me, let me be your editor is a for great a team, and the Spartans <laughs> no, no, looked... as an editor? No, let me be your editor for a second. I guess I didn't necessarily want a scouting report. I, I wanted more of you emotionally. What were you thinking watching that, thinking about the state of your program, what's been going on the last couple of weeks, and that sort of thing, just in your heart? Well, that told me that uh, we're we're going into the pit and I've said this, I mean, you may remember this, but I've said consistently, I would rather cheer for a losing team. I can be proud of than have a successful team that I have to make excuses for that. I'm ashamed of. So I think we're about to enter. We're about to enter the wilderness. This is going to sound, there you go. That's what I was looking for. Thank you. This is going to sound cliche, but I don't know why anybody, especially Michigan state fans wouldn't support the team. I mean, what did they do? I mean, I kind of watching it on TV. I kind of felt bad for the team because look at all this shit they had to go through in this past week. Talk about distractions. Oh yeah. No. And they know this is, this is other than the Michigan game. This is the premier game of their season. And uh, the coach who said immediately after, their last game, the 24-hour rule is waived. We are working immediately on preparing for Washington State. Within hours of saying that, he is gone. So, uh, no, these, the, you know, and, you know, the, there's all this talk about why was this delayed? Why was this not done when? I can't rule out, and I have no evidence to support this. I'm just saying this is something people have thought about, and I think there may be something to it that one of the reasons why they didn't pull the plug on Tucker sooner is it would have tanked the season immediately. The transfer portal would have gone one way out of East Lansing. Um, well, that kind of goes to Tucker's argument then that they wanted to get rid of him because of the contract. It does. Well, but I think the timing is And, and, is and, and there's, there's a little bit, there's the kernel of truth to all of that, right? If he was, if he was another, had another 11 and two season last year, I mean, winning coaches get away with stuff. If, Good if players get away with stuff. If they had been eleven and two last year, or had been one and eleven and beat Michigan, uh, I think they would have suspended him with pay. And whatever this medical issue is that, would have been granted that Tucker is talking about, he would have discussed that with the AD and jointly they would have said, Coach Tucker is taking a leave with pay because he's dealing with a medical issue, and we're going to wrap our arms around him, and we ask for your thoughts and sure. prayers for Mel Tucker and his family, and we hope you'll respect this privacy while they're dealing with you know the standard boilerplate lottie dot. Now, that's the kind of stuff that I expect him to say at the press conference that Sean got scrambled to cover <laughs> the Sunday this broke, and in my latest column for the Free Press, I really give it to Michigan State for not being prepared. I think I was very, very kind when I said that there was a storm coming and they didn't even have an umbrella. But the truth is they've known for months that this was going to break at any time and they were utterly and completely unprepared to address this, to answer questions that deserve to be answered and to put the university in the best possible light, explain how Title IX works, explain why Haller knew before the president, before the board, explain what's going to go on, explain why they kept this wall up so that they would protect the sanctity of the investigation and the victims, the alleged victims' position. They weren't ready for any of that, none of it, and it's in 
excusable. It is a billion-dollar corporation with highly compensated media people. We have an outstanding communications department, one of the best in the country, one of the best in the world. We have a PR department, and none of the things that are taught on that campus were utilized by the people who were there to both reassure the taxpayers of Michigan, Spartans, and people who care about higher education. And they looked like a punching bag, and they were punching themselves in the face. It's time for those folks to go. There's a storm coming, Mr. Wayne. <laughs> Thank you, Alfred. You said there was a, you said there was a storm coming. Uh, I, I prefer you just take a shot at the Michael Caine. No, 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 no. That was that was Anne Hathaway to Christian Bale. She was Catwoman, talking about how there's a storm coming. Oh, I didn't and see you that. You and one. all your rich friends better batten down the hatches because of all these people who have been living with so little for so long. I remember the reason I remember that scene is because Rush Limbaugh said that that Batman was anti-American and anti-capitalist and so on and so forth. Oh, it really stuck with you. Yeah. Well, if it makes you feel better, Rush is burning in hell right now. So uh, I guess a storm came, and it turned out this to be a not, firestorm. This is not a political show. I, I think I'm. I think I'm. I'm, I'm you just made it one. I think I'm perhaps <laughs> stating a fact. But what a Sean uh, thing to do. But, well, no, I don't light know, a match. Go. That's not a fire. Uh, next time I <laughs> no, see, no, it's me, a may flame. Say, uh, There's a difference. Say, How do you like it sure. down here? But, uh, Semantics. So we uh, we want to thank the Cadger Cafe for sponsoring Room 7609. Please send us your nominations at mlsoulofdetroit at gmail.com. Please send us your donations. Mark, how do they how do they do mlsoulofdetroit.com right on the top, PayPal or Venmo. Now, people think that this is just an opportunity for me to toss to Mark. That didn't sound good. Gross. But 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 I wish Mark would repeat that because it seems so simple. But it seems to be so hard. That didn't sound good either. MLSolaDetroit.com. It's a website. You go on the internet, on a computer, and then you click on it, and then you'll see right at the top, PayPal and Venmo. And if you click on Venmo, it's going to say Daisy House LLC. That's okay. That's us. It's a long story. We won't bore you with it. It's not particularly well told. We'd appreciate your donations because we need your support to keep this show going. And this week... Our donor is, can anybody guess? Bryant. Bryant. So, Bryant, thank you very much for continuing to support the show. We also want your feedback, which you can send to us to mlsoulofdetroit at gmail.com. Um, I am going to start with uh, Connor. Or, yeah, Connor. This week's podcast was fantastic. I've never seen you that passionate and authentic. My only critique is that you... And Sean sort of flirted with making excuses for 95 million Mel. Why does it have to be stress or depression? Some people just be pure assholes. Tucker was an unvetted, unqualified moron who didn't deserve his gig or salary. Another example of the Peter Principle, see Wikipedia. Haller was the point man who forced that 95 contract, 95 million dollar contract, on taxpayers. I look forward to a column by you on this saga. I think Haller is full of shit and ought to be fired with Mel. Haller is good pals with Mel. Maybe he wasn't dumb enough to put it in an email, but Haller obviously knew all the details back in December 2022, and especially in July 2023. Plausible deniability bullshit. Okay, here's some other stuff. There's some other stuff. 
I wish MSU would fire all these losers without finally cleaning house. You'll never reform the university. It is so obvious this was another systemic come up, cover up the USA Today reporter exposed. It's an amazing university and deserves so much better, but they've already signaled no plan to reform. They're circling the wagons and throwing Tucker under the bus. And I agree 100% with you about college sports being totally out of control. The tail is wagging the dog at MSU, DAWG, and it is fueling most of these scandals. Take care, sir. Connor. Connor, well said, my friend. Mark? Oh, I think feel like we covered most of this feedback from this uh, this emailer, Amy. We'll edit it as you read it. Okay. She's uh, we're talking about she knew Kenny was going to be on today, Kenny Jacoby of the USA Today. He said, of course, uh, Kenny can't necessarily put cover-up in his pieces, but does he suspect he exposed another late-stage cover-up at Michigan State? And does he suspect Coach Tucker... Uh, being best friends with Alan, this best friends with Haller keeps coming up. Influenced the lack of action until this was on the front page of the newspaper. We talked to Kenny about that. Um, blah, 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 that, that we talked about that. I, you know, it's a lot. It's pretty much a lot of the same things that we. I think we so, covered. Sean, do you have a sense that of uh, uh, how would you characterize from what you've seen the relationship between Alan Haller and? Mr. Melvin Tucker. I, I don't know exactly how close they are. I know it's it's cordial, but look, the the thing to think about and the thing to know about these kind of situations, it's not the athletic director's decision. I mean, he can weigh in. He right? is his direct boss, though, right? He he, he is, and he can weigh in. But when there's when a football program is big, as it, it's not Alabama big, I get it. It's not Ohio State big, but when it's big, relatively big, like it is at Michigan State. The hiring, firing football coach is is the, it's at the president level and yeah. the board level, and frankly, the big donor level. I mean, I right? know technically I mean, he's his boss, but he really. Yeah. Is. If I recall so, that press conference, Word Manual is not Jim Harbaugh's boss, even no, though he technically is. No, the no. people that Jim fund Harbaugh's that pro- is the people Santana that fund that Ono's program boss. are his you boss. It. You got it. The yeah. people that fund the program that and that runs through sometimes board members or then the president, whatever. I mean, that's where that's where it goes. That doesn't mean the athletic director doesn't get to weigh in that's a good point though the the board really is the one with the most power right more than the ultimately president. Yeah. yeah and uh and ml you wrote about some of the conversations you had with board members of michigan state well i wouldn't How'd say that go i wouldn't say it's a conversation there's an email exchange by a a board member who accused the free press and uh, m live of uh going to her place of business and her home to ask her questions and she thought that was out of line of course that's a ludicrous statement but what's even crazier is she was wrong it wasn't a free press reporter (laughs) if a free press reporter had done that i'd be buying him a meal but no she just popped off like you've crossed the line and i i shared our email exchange in my latest column so people can judge for themselves but one of the things i told her is when you lift your hand and take that oath to serve the people of Michigan, you have to answer questions. And if you don't answer her questions, you should expect a knock at the door. And I called, who I believe is a relative of hers, who had her name and phone number on her campaign account. I called her at work. I left emails for her at work. She ignored them until I said, by the way, I think you're wrong about the reporter thing. I checked with all my free press colleagues and they didn't go down there. And then she responded to that and then said, okay, so I was wrong about that. And I said, well, can we move to the more important thing, which is what do you think about the Tucker situation? And I heard nothing more from her. But, but Sean, I want to go back to that press conference. 
if I recall correctly, interim president Teresa Woodruff said that she agreed with athletic director Alan Haller's decision to suspend Tucker without pay. So at least in that press conference, she indicated his fate was in the hands of the athletic director. Well, she agreed. That means she approves. That's what that means. Well, I guess he said, hey, boss, should we put this cat on ice? And she said, there's Sounds no good to me. way he got to make that decision without asking if it was OK. No, I understand that. But there is an organizational chart and it does go Melvin Tucker, Alan Haller and Melvin is on the bottom and Alan is on the top. Now, and, but, Alvin, but Alan most... should report to Teresa Woodruff and the board. But guess what? This is a major university. That's not how it works. Yeah, just think about how many times in an organization. That's what the org chart says. How many times in an org chart is where the person's, you know, I mean, Mel Tucker, I don't know where you'd be in the org chart, but makes uh, 50 times if what the was people at the top two, of the org chart the make. Right? Yeah. That's, that's what's unusual about it. Well, Mel Tucker makes more than everybody. He yeah. makes more right. than a guy and, who puts Gatorade in his cereal and has been uh, in the semifinals of the national championship twice in a row. Nick that's Saban, crazy. Nick Saban makes more than everybody. Ryan Day, Jim Harbaugh, right? They're all the all these coaches are the highest paid uh, employees at their universities, and often they're the highest paid public employees in their state. They're also probably the most visible employees. Yeah, exactly. So, so to think that it's just your immediate superior. That's going to have the uh, the final say over your Ludicrous. your career is ridiculous. It's it's it doesn't. I'm not saying you think that, Mike, but that's it doesn't work that way. Well, I think I think Haller and Tucker uh, seem to be on good terms, but I think it it behooves you to be um, to be seen as cordial. Nobody wants to see their highest profile employee and their boss fighting in public. So I don't know what their relationship is like. I hope people aren't suggesting they're best friends because they're both black men. Uh, white folks, let me tell you something that you may not have, have stumbled across before, and if it is, you need to get out of your basement. Uh, not all black people agree on everything. In the same way that not all white people agree on everything. So the fact that Haller and Tucker are seen together in public and seem cordial and are both black doesn't mean that they are like separated at birth. But uh, it's been my impression from afar that Haller and Tucker have a good relationship. But, of course, I also thought Tucker and his wife had a good relationship, and now we know they're estranged because of all this crap. So, anyway, David writes, very curious to hear you discuss how there's been a lot of criticism of the Tucker accuser. While I wouldn't say that she has been attacked by anyone legitimate, I've heard a lot of criticism of her, especially... Why didn't she just hang up the phone, which is essentially someone's way of blaming her without right saying as much? In your opinion, is this an example of misogyny? Dave, uh, I would tell you I think it's an example of people not having expertise on this matter like Kenny does, where he talks to a lot of victims of sexual assault, a lot of victims of trauma, and we all sit here and say, Somebody pulls it out, and I hang up. Uh, that's what we think, and that's what we say. But thankfully, we say that from a position of ignorance because we've never been in that position. I hope to never be in that position, which is why Jeffrey Tubin will never be a guest on this show. But uh, I think you don't know till you've been there, and the people who are experts, as Kenny is, have talked about the freeze-up, where your body involuntarily Absolutely. stops functioning well, he, because he you just out. can't believe it. He also pointed out the 36 minutes wasn't 36 minutes of masturbation. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot. Of, I mean, when he when Mel's the one that put the thirty six minutes out there, and probably knowing that people would assume that that was masturbating the whole time, or that there was foreplay, right? That yeah. this conversation led to, okay, you know what? Uh, we really dig each other. Let's get down to business. Yeah, I I, I don't well, think it's misogyny. Who's got the, who's I think got the incentive ignorance. to lie? Who loses more, right? Well, we talked about Gretchen Carlson. She was right. She won her lawsuit. And what's she doing now? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know what? I don't even have to go to who has more to lose. I go back to my scoreboard. And what Kenny, I mean, that's typical. Like, Kenny who, said five lies for Mel that he can prove, zero lies for Brenda that he can prove. And so until then, I'd say that Brenda's our leader in the clubhouse, and we'll have to wait for this investigation may, to be concluded. May, may I make a, uh, an unrelated point here? You know, no. uh, may Drew, you not make an unrelated <laughs> point? I, I, question. I saw Drew. So I was, far, there's no Drew no was pulling evidence. up in the driveway when I was coming in, and he's like, oh, he was excited for the show. Hey, you got a good show. You know, it's great. And I said, yeah, I probably missed half of it. Got stuck in traffic, and you know that was what he was referring to. Come on, come on down, and and I'm grateful to Drew, and I'm glad that he gives us this opportunity. We get to sit and hang out in his basement and smell, smell, uh, you know, whatever's wafting down. However, on the computer screen I'm looking at, I see the Sola Detroit logo above that. On top, I see the no bullshit news. That's fine. Charlie's, you know, you know, better than we are. That's cool. But on top of that is a trash can. It's a bud. Trash can. So what Drew's really saying is that we are beneath oh, a garbage can. No, that's the delete folder. Can you believe that, Mike? That you're looking at. Uh, I can't believe that's you're the, the one order. who always wants to get out of here, and that's what you came up that's with. That's the order of stuff. You know, I thought Drew loved us. I guess not. Do you think Drew's ever used that computer? I don't have any idea, but it's his place. No. Have you seen Drew doing show prep? It's like the president. He uses papyrus. I know exactly. If you're the president and he the is economy not tech tanks, savvy. it's your fault. And if it's great, you get credit. I even know you're you have, so sensitive. You don't have much to do with it either. Right? So, so now you're trying to blame the show it. on I Drew? Know who did it. I'm not no, I just, did it. I think that what we need to do is take that ML logo and put it in the trash can. Oh my God. Well, now who's Jeez. now who's ripping? I don't on think the nobody show. hates the show more than Sean. But I love you guys. <laughs> uh, where do we go from there? Cyrus, I was just tired of Michigan State. Sorry. Okay. Just want to thank our sponsors: Luke Nowacki, Pinnacle Wealth Strategies, the Cadu Cafe, Michigan Peddler. Please take advantage of that deal. Use the promo code ML because here's how it works with sponsors: if you tell them that you came to them because of the show, they will stay with us and we'll stop begging you for your dough. So uh, you can find all these folks on our website, which is mlsolvedetroit.com. Last week's show, one of our strongest in a long time, hit 102 in the charts. We surpassed Don Jr. and the Socialist Show, so we ran past the lefties and the righties. It's only because you support us you share the show. We really appreciate you. If you want to know what's coming up, like if you're wondering who our guest is going to be, follow me on Twitter. It's at Elric, E-L-R-I-C-K. And we're also on Facebook, ML, no periods, Elric, E-L-R-I-C-K. Uh, boys, anything else? No. Okay. <laughs> Go green. Go white. Go um, white. Is that what you're supposed to say, Mark? I have no idea. Go there. Mark's like, uh, Go blue. Go you know what? Mike just feels Go vindic- Falcons. Mike feels vindicated because now we don't have to care about the Lions because they lost. So okay. No, no. I, I'm agnostic on the Lions. I, I, yeah, it sounds know, like it. I, 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 you know, 
go forth and prosper, go forth and sin no more. It just doesn't affect me. I was laying grass seed and spreading peat moss while the lions were doing whatever the hell they were doing. So, Entertaining uh, the hell out of millions. That's what they were doing. And that's fantastic. And I'm trying to prevent some flooding in a basement. So we're all doing something. To they could have done that on Saturday. Okay, Mr. Cutlass. No, Saturday. I watched the floodgates open. Exactly. 41 to 7. Easily, easily could have been 70 to nothing. It could have. It sure hey, could they have won the been. second half. It sure could have that? been. Uh, Mike's right. Uh, That's the most deceiving 41-7 score you'll ever yeah, see. A- after pulling one of the biggest dick moves in college football history at the fake victory formation, they basically stopped scoring in the second half. So uh, I think they wanted the kicker to get a little work and maybe see if the running back was still awake. Yeah, no, terrible, terrible, awful. It was uh, dispiriting. And um, I will be going to the rest of the home games, and I will be going to um, – Indiana to watch him play on the road. Bloomington's a great town, Big Ten. Fantastic places. Sean will be writing about the cuisine there one of these days. I hope so, yeah. Bloomington and, uh, is a great town. By the way, Mark's and Mark, I do is- have extra tickets for the U of M MSU game. I guarantee you there will be more Wolverines and Spartans there now. So if you want to come, I offer you my protection as well. Mark is resting his arm on a roll of toilet paper, and he's waiting for Cyrus. Yeah. It's all right. Well, then I guess we should... Way to paint the picture. I thought somebody might take it from there. Was I wrong? <laughs> Maybe he's getting ready to paint the bowl. Cyrus. Oh, gross. Cyrus. Can you dig Cyrus. Can Cyrus. You dig it? Take us out. Can you dig it? You're not the loser you were when you first got here. ML Elric. You're just not used to being a winner. Now is the time to prove to yourselves you are somebody. Gridiron Gang. That's why we're here, because we care. Because the show ain't the money. The soul of Detroit.